Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. It is birthday season here at the Nielsen household. Sally's birthday is July 22nd. Noah's is August 1st, and my husband Ryan's is August 6th. And so it is a fun but exhausting few weeks for our family and for me. And I am used to feeling that every year during birthday season. But what I am not used to feeling that I am feeling this year is sadness. And the reason why this year... The birthdays, particularly Noah's, has been tinged with a great deal of sadness for me is that if you've been listening to my podcast, you may know that in November, we lost Noah's birth mother to mental illness, and we had an open adoption with her and were extremely close to her. His birthday was always a really special time that we shared with her from that very first night of his birth when I was in the delivery room with her. And I've honestly never felt closer to heaven than in the hour or two after when we were all together, Ryan and I and Katie and his birth dad, Drew, and our families sharing this baby and pouring love on him to every birthday after that, which became a very special time when they would come and celebrate Noah and be with us. So his birthdays have really come to mean time with Katie and Drew. This is the first year that we haven't had them with us. One year ago, they came to our new home. We had just moved to Haley, Idaho and spent the weekend with us and it was magical. I just remember showing them the mountains around here, um, having a bonfire with them and thinking, how comfortable it felt after six years of doing open adoption, how much we had really grown into our relationships with each other and our mutual love and adoration for this little boy, Noah. And I just, it was a time just make him feel so loved by so many people. And so it has really felt wrong to me to not share this occasion with Katie this year. And it's made me emotional and tearful the last couple of weeks as I've thought about this. When she passed away back in November, I recorded a podcast acknowledging our loss and sharing three messages of hope that I'd relied on during our dark years of infertility before Katie came into our life and that I was relying on again now that we had lost her. Since that episode aired in November, there are many new listeners here. And so I wanted to re-air that episode today in honor of Noah's birth and the beautiful woman who gave him life. And I just wanted to acknowledge that sometimes life is so very hard. I don't know what you are facing in your own personal life or what sadnesses may be lingering over times that are otherwise joyful, but I want you to know that you're not alone and it's my prayer that we can find hope even through our times of darkness. And if any of you are in the middle of your own battle with infertility, or if you know and love someone who is, please stay tuned at the end of the episode. 
I want to tell you about an amazing foundation that is giving out grants to help families to do IVF and adoption. So make sure you listen to the end if that's something that you or someone you love may need. Here is what was originally episode six, three messages of hope for the darkest times. So this past week, I was on my way to meet up with some of my best friends in Texas when I got a heartbreaking, life-altering phone call. I just finished my first flight when I turned on my phone during my layover in Phoenix, and I saw a text that made my world stand still. Some of you know that my son Noah is adopted, and we have an amazing open adoption with his birth parents. Uh, We even know many of their extended family and friends, and that day on the airplane, I saw a text from one of those friends saying that she was there for me if I wanted to talk and that she loved me. This was so out of nowhere that I immediately knew something was wrong and I started to panic. My first thoughts went to my son's birth mother, Katie. She has struggled with episodes of extreme depression for the past several years. I frantically texted and called Katie, and when those went straight to voicemail, my dread only grew. And then the phone calls from family started coming, and my worst fears were confirmed. Our beautiful Katie, the girl who had given my son life and who had made me a mother, was gone. She had suffered horribly, and her life ended tragically, and when I think about either of those facts, it's more than I can bear. Katie and I were very close from the moment that she called me and asked me if I wanted to adopt her baby. I was driving home from work that day, and I'll never forget her tentative voice on the other end of the line saying that she was 16, that she'd seen my adoption profile, and that she, want, she was pregnant and she wanted to know if I wanted to adopt her baby. I had to pull over to the side of the road because I was so overcome with emotion, obviously, And, um, I spent about an hour talking to her and learning about her and falling in love with her. Um, she was 16 at the time, as I mentioned, and she'd heard about our desire to adopt from my mother-in-law's family Christmas card of all places. Um, her father is my mother-in-law's cousin, but we had never met before, um, before we connected about the adoption. Throughout the course of her pregnancy, we exchanged dozens and dozens of emails and letters. She invited me to be at the 20-week ultrasound and at Noah's birth. I was honored to be at her side in the delivery room and watched in awe as she bravely brought that precious little bundle into the world. She insisted that I be the first person to hold Noah And we have priceless photos of me sobbing as I hold him in my arms for the first time and then show him to a selfless, courageous birth mother. I sobbed back in that hospital room and I sobbed again in that airport in Phoenix as the grief of her passing rose and pulsed and overwhelmed me. She'd become part of our family over Noah's six years of life, coming to visit us for many birthdays and holidays And it felt unimaginable that she wouldn't be there anymore. She and I were actually planning to record a podcast together this next week. 
because November is National Adoption Month. Our last texts were about how excited she was to share some of the lessons that she'd learned about love from placing Noah for adoption. It feels like such a loss that her words will never be recorded here, that you'll never get to hear from her directly. I know she very much wanted to share her story. So these last few days have been a blur of grief. And as I contemplated airing this week's episode, it just didn't seem right to not say anything about this loss in my life, to just go on with these episodes as if it's business as usual around here. And as I thought about it, I realized that we all have these world-stopping moments and seasons of grief in our lives. For all of us, the specific trials will be different. The death of a loved one, the betrayal of a spouse, incredibly painful medical diagnoses or mental health challenges, the, the disability of a child, the list goes on. But we will all face these dark times. And how do we get through those times and hang on to hope? It can be so difficult. So I decided that for today's podcast, in honor of Katie, I want to share three takeaways that are messages of hope. And all three I learned during the adoption process as we waited for Noah to be born. They're phrased in the form of different scriptures that I found during those years when we were waiting for Noah, but I feel strongly that the messages of these scripture verses are universal, whether or not you're religious. So whether you're struggling with infertility like I did, or mental health challenges like Katie did, or the death of a loved one like I and all of Katie's loved ones are right now, or a trial that's completely different, I hope that this episode will give you some messages of hope as you carry on. And if you're currently in a season of hope and joy, maybe you can pass this along to someone who you know is suffering, or you can save it for later when you may be facing dark days of your own. The first message of hope that I want to share comes from Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. When I started infertility treatments, we started adoption, the adoption process at the same time. We knew that both of those avenues might take a long time, and we didn't really care where our baby came from. We just wanted to be parents, and we put it in the hands of God, which one would work first. Looking back, though, that was two very difficult things to be doing at the same time, the fertility treatments and the adoption process. Um, I remember months of invasive tests, hormone pills that made me feel unstable, sitting on those cold tables by myself in the doctor's office as the most private and sacred parts of my body were examined and poked and prodded, Month after month, we had failed intrauterine inseminations. I had an ectopic pregnancy. I had surgery. And all the while, we were also getting contacts from expectant moms who were considering adoption. This is a part of the adoption process that people who haven't gone through it may not realize happens. That throughout the process, you're contacted by different mothers who are considering adoption 
and you get to know them, you grow to love them, and then sometimes they make a different choice, which is their right. But it can still be very hard and devastating month after month to get these contacts and to wonder if this is the if this is it, if this is the baby, um, and then to find out that no, it's not. So between the fertility treatments and the adoption ups and downs, this was a very dark, hard time for me that year. We were chosen by several birth moms to adopt, and then they changed their minds. Um, we never actually had a baby in our arms, which I'm so grateful for because that must be the most excruciating pain, and some couples do go through that. But um, in the weeks prior to the delivery, the birth moms decided that they wanted to parent or that they chose a different couple. And I remember that the third time that this happened, that a birth mom changed her mind. Um, It was like a last straw for me. I just cried and cried and cried. And I climbed into bed and I remember consciously deciding not to pray. I was angry. I felt done. I didn't understand why this righteous desire in my life wasn't being answered. And I frankly was mad about it. And I was not going to pray that night. And I just got into bed and I cried myself to sleep. The next day I didn't go to work. I journaled, I slept, I spent time with my best friend. And then the day after that, I felt a little bit better. I went to work. I pressed forward, I kept hope, kept doing the treatments, kept doing the adoption contacts. And six weeks after that really dark night where I decided not to pray, I was contacted by Katie, Noah's birth mom, just six weeks after that day. And six months after that, I held my baby boy for the first time. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes in our lives, there are seasons of night. And often they don't just last one night. They may, it may be days, weeks, months, even years. But eventually, joy does return. Weeping ends and joy comes in the morning. The second message of hope that I wanted to share comes from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 3. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to give unto them beauty for ashes. I love that scriptural phrase, to give unto them beauty for ashes. And it's something that I feel like is captured perfectly by adoption that sometimes something that is so difficult and so hard, infertility or an unexpected pregnancy, um, both of those things can be made beautiful through the adoption process. At least that was the case in our family. And talking to Katie and Drew's mothers, um, back when Katie first contacted us, I realized that they definitely understood this principle and believed it for their kids. 
So that phone call that I had with Katie in the car, um, after I talked to her, she asked if I wanted to talk to her mom. So I realized that her mom had been sitting next to her the whole time that she made this call and that she and I had talked, which is so fitting because what mother wouldn't want to be sitting there during that important phone call? So Katie handed the phone to Elizabeth, her mother, and I remember being so impressed by the way that Elizabeth talked about Katie. She told me about her, her strength and determination. There was love in her voice as she talked about some of the struggles that Katie had had and said that she'd been through some tough obstacles already in her 16 years and that this pregnancy would probably be the longest and the toughest trial yet. But she said, I know she will get through it because she is strong and she is brave. And at the end, there'll be a beautiful baby boy who's a blessing to so many families. Elizabeth understood beauty for ashes. And she believed in her daughter and she believed that that could be the case, even though this teen pregnancy was not expected. I was struck by that at the time. And I continue to be struck by that support from, uh, from a mother for a daughter. And it wasn't just Elizabeth. It was also Noah's birth dad's mother as well. We've been so blessed to be close to Drew, Noah's birth dad, as well as Katie. It's really unusual in the adoption world to be in touch with both birth parents. Um, but we've been very close to Drew and his family. So when we flew out to Utah for the 20-week ultrasound, that was the first time that we met Drew and we met his mother. So we went to pick him up. We were going to take them to dinner, and um, to Katie and Drew to dinner. And um, Shayna opened the door, his mom, and she welcomed us in with huge hugs. She had us sit down in the living room, and she had Drew's siblings stay in the room. So it was really, it felt like very much a family gathering, that they were all there to support Katie and Drew. And she talked to us about the situation. And just like Elizabeth, I was struck by how warmly she talked about Drew and how much she loved him and how funny and good and kind he is. And I remember he's the 17-year-old kid. You can imagine he's just blushing shyly um, as his, he hears his mom praising him. She went on to say how much they loved the baby already and that it was a hard situation they were facing, but that she knew that the baby would be a beautiful blessing and that Katie and Drew would grow even stronger from the experience. Elizabeth and Shayna definitely understood and believed that beauty could come from ashes. So to apply this to trials universally, think about some of your hardest trials. Can you see some of the beauty that came from them? Not that you would necessarily choose those trials again, but can you see that somehow God offered a compensatory blessing for your loss? Something that balanced it out or helped or supported you, something beautiful that came out of it. I can see so many ways that God made beauty from ashes in our infertility adoption story. I often tell Noah that I am so grateful that my body didn't work when I was trying to get pregnant because 
we got Noah um, from that devastating experience of all of those fertility treatments, that ashes experience came the most beautiful gift I've ever been given. The opportunity to be a mother to not just any little boy, to my little boy, my Noah. I wouldn't want any other baby. I'm so glad that I was infertile because I got Noah. Um, and not only that, but we got his birth families and the beautiful relationships that we've developed with them that have made our lives richer. We would never have had that if we never had adoption. Truly beauty has come from ashes in that experience and so many others in my life when I've had really difficult trials. So if you're going through something difficult, I ask you to think about that. What beauty has come or is coming from the ashes of that experience? And the final message of hope that I want to share today is a scripture that I heard at the funeral of a good family friend. This was actually after we had gotten Noah and um, I sat in that funeral and I heard this scripture and tears immediately sprang into my eyes because I felt like it explained perfectly what it had been like to experience infertility and waiting to become a mother. The scripture is from Job 23, 3 through 10. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And what I loved the most about that verse was the... um the longing in the first, what I love most about that passage is the longing expressed in that first verse where Job is searching for God. He's searching for his will and he doesn't, it feels like he's not there. It feels like God is hiding. And that's how I felt during those months prior to our adoption when I was trying every avenue, the fertility, all these different adoption contacts, moving forward in faith, and nothing was working out. It felt like this, that I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. And then that last verse, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I love that promise that we will come forth as gold from our trials. It's similar to beauty from ashes, that beautiful things can come from really difficult experiences. But I feel like this verse is even more applicable to us as individuals, not just that good things will come within our lives as a result of trials, but good things will come within us. We will be refined. We will be turned to gold as a result of the difficult things that we go through. This, the experience of infertility and adoption is one that I would not trade. First of all, because it brought us our Noah, but second, because I learned so many personal things that have forever impacted my personality, who I am, the type of friend that I am. I have more faith in God's timing. I'm more patient. 
I have more compassion for other people. All of these things came as a result of this trial. In fact, as I looked back at my journals, I found an excerpt from my journal where I actually talked about this in the moment. So this was October 2010. This is before Noah was born. I wrote this. This past year, I've learned more about patience, more than I ever wanted to learn, than I had in my whole life before that. More about empathy and reliance on the Lord. The learning has almost been tangible because it's so evident in my life. So whether or not you're religious, I bet if you search for it, you can see how your trials and challenges have refined you, how they have turned you to gold. You can ask yourself some questions. What am I learning from this experience? How am I going to be a more compassionate friend as a result of having this experience? How am I going to be more humble or a better listener or less judgmental? And if you are religious, how has this brought me closer to my Heavenly Father? These are all ways that our trials refine us and turn us to gold. To end, I just want to recap these three messages of hope that I learned during the adoption process, but that I really feel can be applicable to almost anyone during some of our darkest times in life. I know that I needed to be reminded of these messages this week with the loss of our Katie. First, weeping may endure the night, but joy comes in the morning. Even in the hardest, most terrible of trials, joy will return. Someday, somehow, the night will end. Number two, the scriptural phrase, beauty for ashes. That even in the worst trials, when our lives feel like piles of ashes, beauty can come from it. If we search for it and have faith, God can give us beauty for ashes. And finally, third, the scripture from Job, where he promises that we shall come forth as gold, that we are being refined by our trials, and that if we let them, we can gain characteristics that will bless us and will bless other people for the rest of our lives. So this week, please take care of yourself, your families, and those around you. Next Monday, we'll be back to our regular programming on the podcast, but thank you for letting me share my heart today. I know it was helpful for me, and I hope that it was helpful for at least one person out there who may be facing darkness and searching for messages of light. Thank you for yet again letting me share my heart here in this space. I feel like it's been a bit of a heavy month or two with me sharing the tribute episode on the 15-year anniversary of my mother's death, and now this one. I promise they're not all so heavy and so personal, but boy, do I appreciate you listening to these deeply important experiences in my life. Now, I did want to tell you a little bit more about the adoption and IVF grants for couples who may need them. There is an organization called Bundled Blessings Fertility that couples can apply for assistance if they have financial need and diagnosed infertility. Go to their website, bundledblessingsfertility.com. They have grant applications open for the states of Utah and Idaho. If you're out of those two states, I think you can still apply. 
The only thing is that you have to be at the dinner where the grants are awarded. So if you're willing to travel to Utah or Idaho for those dinners, then I I think you could still apply. I am actually going to be a speaker at the Idaho dinner, and I would love to meet you. The Idaho dinner is November 10th, and there's still some time for you to get those Idaho applications in. The Utah event is much coming up much more quickly. So I'm trying to look here. I'm actually on their website as we speak. I don't see the date right in front of me. But I do know that if you are interested in the Utah grant, you should go like this week and apply. And you can apply to both. I know that this can be a huge blessing to families who need the help. And I'm so hopeful that somebody listening can get some financial assistance from this great organization and those of you in Idaho or in other places who want to come to Idaho, I would love to meet you on November 10th at the Bundled Blessings Fertility Dinner. I will put links in the show notes for that information. And I hope that you have a great week with your family.